You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. is brought to you by Tenji. I am your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Raphael Paulin Daigle on the show. He is the CEO of Splitbase. They help fashion, luxury, and lifestyle e-commerce companies sell more online by increasing website conversions and profits through, our, through their testing trifecta optimization program. They've increased conversions by hundreds of percents for clients creating millions of dollars of impact and some of them include l'oreal keels best self primal pit paste frank and oak just to name a few during the interview we talk about the testing trifecta and i think it's in a very interesting concept uh, that if you've never heard of it you definitely need to know about it if you sell anything online this is a fantastic episode for you and even if you don't this is still going to be a great episode because you get the luxury of learning from a young co-founder he's won a ton of awards uh he's been doing this since 15 so to hear from his perspective the trials the tribulations the ups and downs of entrepreneurship um it gives you just a another perspective so congrats to Raphael and, and and enjoy today's episode Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the blind entrepreneur community, Head over to Penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's Penji.co, P-E-N-J-I.co, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Raphael, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Happy to Uh, be here. No, we're excited to have you. Uh, One of the most... uh, one of the most interesting things that I saw uh, as a person who loves strategy, a person who loves uh, numbers, is this idea behind the testing trifecta. And as soon as you go on to and you do your research about yourself, you see all these circles. And in the middle, there's a very vibrant, um, I would say like a brownish color that symbolizes that the middle ground of all of the research and all of the data. And I want to start off there by talking about the testing trifecta. Can you give us a little bit of a background of what that is? Yeah, so the testing trifecta is really our way of explaining how most companies approach growth, um, most on the e-commerce side, and how they should approach it, right? So when we're looking at it and we look at growth teams inside e-commerce companies, Um, and how they're making decisions of what to change on their website. Most of the time, what's going to happen is we're going to see that um, they're going to have an idea of what area of their website is not performing well. Then they're going to get together, brainstorm solutions, and then they're either going to A-B test that or implement. The thing is the root 
cause of, of a problem where they're saying, hey, you know, we're trying a lot of A-B tests that are not working, or we've been doing changes, we're not really seeing the needle move that much. The root cause of that is that very often, the reason why it's happening is because they may know what's the problem, but they don't actually go and try to figure out why that problem is happening. Right. So Jonathan, imagine like going to the doctor and you're going to say, Hey, um, my knee hurts. And then instead of actually looking at what's the cause or doing x-rays or anything, he just prescribes you a whole bunch of pills. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of e-commerce companies are doing these days. And you know, if you can't blame him, it's a bit what AB testing tools have been selling forever. They're just, you know, they say, sign up, you can test anything. Um, or, you know, move fast, break things. The thing is that when you do that, there's no strategic approach. So the testing trifecta aims to really get the human factor to understand why a product page may not be converting well. A landing page might be leading to drop-offs. Um, and when you have that reason why people aren't buying, what's holding them back from buying, you're able to create way better A-B tests, make changes to your website that will move the needle. Um, and it doesn't take that much more time. So that's uh, the testing trifecta. Yeah, and I think it's a great philosophy. I think it's a great uh, way to just like think about the idea of conversions because at the end of the day, we all need more sales. At the end of the day, we need more sales to grow. We need more people to convert, whether that's through like an email campaign, whether that's through like a yep. checkout page. Um, I'd love to hear your specific approach to how you're able to consult with organizations because you've worked with some incredible companies. Um, and I know that you have very specific contracts with very high profile e-commerce based businesses, but I, so I'd love to just, I guess, start from the beginning of, of how you're able to grow these companies. How are we going to be able to grow our own companies uh, in order to get financial success? Yeah, totally. Well, the way that it all starts is, you know, most of the time when we start working, working with e-commerce companies, they've been investing a lot in traffic acquisition right? Um, they've been going really well. They've grown to a few million dollars in revenue. Um, but then they're realizing that, you know, like we've kind of neglected the website. It's something that we've been patching and, and updating here and there. Um, but we haven't really ever focused at increasing conversions on there. So the first step to everything, right, is to go in your analytics. And here's what you want to find. You want to find, if you're an e-commerce store, you want to start with the end of the funnel. Because if you're able to increase, for example, the last step of checkout by 5%, that's 5% more sales right away. On a multi-million dollar e-commerce business, that's a lot of money, yeah, right? So, and, and what I'm seeing often is that companies want to start with the homepage um, because it seems like it's the most obvious. The thing it's sure, yes, the, the homepage probably needs some optimization, but that's not where you're going to get the biggest impact right away. So you want to start with the end of the funnel. So the checkout flow to the cart, to the product pages, to the landing pages, collections, and then to the homepage. So you start there, you go in your analytics and you want to try to understand what's wrong. You know, what are those problem areas? So if you're working, you know, through the funnel, you're, gonna, you're really going to want to understand where you're losing the most customers, 
right? Mm -hmm. And you don't just want to look at the biggest percentage because obviously from the homepage to the product page, that's likely going to be your biggest percentage of lost customers. But those customers are not as valuable as say, you know, the small percentage of people who left your site in the checkout flow. <laughs> so that's super, super important to remember. Um, now you're going to want to find yeah, where people are leaving for your landing pages, where people are bouncing. Um, and you know, are there specific products that they're not buying? So when you find your problem areas, so let's say, you know, you're realizing your product pages, your add to cart rate is pretty low right? Well, instead of just getting together as a team and really trying to understand what needs to be done, that's where we actually need to understand how to do it. And uh, do you want me to jump in uh, yeah, and how please. to do it? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's go in as, as much detail as you want, because um, I'm just going to be perfectly honest. There's not that many people that specialize in what you do. Right. And and so talking to a professional like you is, is, is a true joy because I love this stuff and I know our audience loves this stuff. So yeah, we, we can go in and as depth, as in depth as you like, and I'll just, awesome. uh, I'm, I'm listening right now and I just, I have a, 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 a questions that I'm going to be asking you throughout the whole thing. Fantastic. Well, at that point, let's say you determine that you want to improve your product pages, right? Obviously there's a lot of, uh, things that you're probably going to want to be doing in your analytics, like understanding uh, your traffic behaviors, right? For example, is your product page really underperforming or is it just traffic from certain traffic channels, right? Or sometimes it's a sp very specific device. What I'm realizing is a lot of people tend to look at the um, overview metrics in Google analytics, for example, mm. um, but that gives you an average, right? So just recently, you know, we've been having, we had this client that said, Hey, Rafael, like we really don't understand, like, why are we seeing, um, you know, this crazy increase on this side of the business, but we're not seeing it on the other side. Um, and the answer to that is like, well, if you're looking at your average conversion rate, for example, um, for all your traffic channels combined and all your devices combined and everything. So the overall site conversion rate, well, start by segmenting between desktop and mobile to begin mm -hmm. with, right? You might realize that your desktop conversion rate is going to be super high and mobile is going to be about half. Or if you have a really shitty mobile experience, maybe it's going to be even lower, right? So don't look at the overview, really try to understand what, what really shapes that average. So rule of thumb, you know, generally always try to, analyze your data with um by separating it by devices so for example i'll always look at google google analytics as the desktop experience the mobile and if a tablet is big enough of course tablet can be a part of it but most of the time you know we'll focus on desktop tablet combined and then mobile mm -hmm. so what you may find is when you actually look at the funnels you may actually realize that um that product page might only be an issue on mobile. Whereas on mm. desktop, the issue is the cart page, right? So to really understand where you need to focus in um, your efforts, you need to understand where that is happening. 
So now let's say we focus on mobile and you're realizing, oh, actually turns out desktop is doing really well. You're looking at mobile. Now you're seeing your mobile conversion rate is pretty average. Well, here's the deal. Is it really average um, because it's a shitty user experience or because of other reasons? See, a lot of people will actually stop there. And you know what they're gonna do? Well, they're gonna go brainstorm together and they're gonna talk about what needs to be done. They're gonna try to implement fixes, find neat Shopify plugins or whatever uh, that promises to increase conversions like almost all the plugins out there. Then they implement it may or may not work and they cross their fingers hoping it works. Now here's the deal. One thing that people may forget is you still need to understand who these people are because what you're looking at in your analytics, those are not just numbers. Those are actual people. So now you want to really understand is that a conversion problem where uh, people don't understand what you're selling or the value of what you're selling or do they have questions? Is it a technical problem that's going on with your website? Right. We once had a client where they were trying to optimize the checkout flow and they were about to redesign the whole thing. Very, very smart team, $30 million e-commerce company. Um, well at the time way bigger now. Um, and they were, uh, seeing a big drop in the middle of the checkout flow and for mobile and they realized, Hey, well, that's not working really well. Let's build a new flow and try to optimize it. Hmm. Turns out when we started looking at their numbers, and we started segmenting by device type, by traffic channel. But we also looked at you know, session recordings, for example, which, is, which are recordings of people navigating through your website. What we realized is that it wasn't necessarily like a fancy conversion problem that needed to be, to be solved. It's just that 15% of mobile visitors didn't see the checkout button, like there was a bug and the button wouldn't appear. Right. Um, that probably took about 15 minutes for a developer to fix that bug. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we think it's something super fancy or, you know, if you read blogs about conversion optimization, it's always, oh, use these words to convert your customers or have images uh, this size or, uh, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. But at the end of the day, if your website is straight up not working, um, people aren't going to convert. So you want to take a look at that, right? But what you also want to look at is your traffic channel breakdown. So we do have a lot of clients, for example, right now where influencer traffic is huge, right? They've got a lot of influencers posting about their products on Instagram, um, posting on, on Facebook and everywhere. And that drives massive amounts of traffic to their website. Now what happens with that traffic though? Well, generally that traffic is not the best. Um, it drives a lot of people, but those people don't convert as much. So what if you're evaluating the performance of your mobile page right now, of your mobile um, product page, and you don't look at your traffic breakdown? What you may realize is, well, turns out it may be performing really well for your Facebook ad traffic. And it may be terrible for your influencer traffic. Yeah. Right. 
So it's super important to understand what forms your performance numbers. You always want to dive deeper because then if you go and you try to optimize that and maybe you're going to ruin the performance of your paid traffic that was already great. Right. So you want to understand, right. Is that affecting every traffic channel? Is it affecting um, every type of user? Um, and when you understand that and really see where the drops are, uh, you know, you're going to be able to focus on, you know, and make a decision on whether you should really optimize that page or not. So that's the first step. Yeah. Um, what you want to do after is once you really, now you're certain, right? Mobile um, product pages needs to be optimized. Well, instead of just trying to add fancy things, here's the next thing. Well, you need to understand your customers because Google Analytics may tell you that your cart, your ads to cart suck, um, but it doesn't tell you anything about what your customers are thinking. And that's where, you know, I see the biggest missed opportunity lies for most companies because your customer is human. It is not a number. So you really need to try to understand, you know, at that point in time, when they're on your product pages, if they're not converting, it may not even be a user experience or a design thing or a problem with your images or price. It might just be because they've got objections that you haven't answered. Mm -hmm. Questions, doubts, it could be really anything. We call this the human part of the testing trifecta, right? The decision that is being made at the end of the day is not made by a number. It is made by someone with emotions, needs, wants, a family, friends, a budget, you know, uh, a certain job. So all of these factors will influence the purchase. And if you're not focusing on really trying to understand that at, you know, in depth, what's going to happen is you're just going to be optimizing random things and you're going to always stay surface level. Well, I want to, I want to dive in a little bit. I, I agree with that. There's a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, um, you, you're always going to get, and every time that you add something onto your website, you're always going to get somebody either that day or the next that says, well, could you add this? Yep. And I guess, how do you, how do you control that? Yeah. Um, so you're talking on like the client side, they just want to add something. Yeah. Or, or just like from, from like, so you're looking at your data, right? Right. You're yep. looking at your data, you're assessing your checkout page, you're putting in, you're putting in all these things, right? I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, on our pricing page, if you go to penji.co forward slash pricing, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're uh, listening right now, um, you'll see that the pricing page works well. Now this is actually one of our best converting web pages uh, right. that we've ever created. And then what we started doing is we started putting these little question marks next to all the different things within our pricing page. And those question marks indicate the answers to the inevitable questions. However, we're still getting questions based mm. off of the things that are currently there, <laughs> even yep. after putting that into the pricing page. So I'd be curious to hear from your perspective as a, a person who looks at this on a daily basis, yep. you know, how do you assess that information, even if you're doing the things that they want, but they're still, they're still asking those questions. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. Well, you know, this actually happened pretty recently with a company we've been working with that sells um, really high-end winter cooks, right? So we're looking at $1,000 to around $3,000 for for an item. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a very technical product, right? Lots of pockets or technical features that the customers need to know about. They also want to know, like, for what temperature this coat's good for. Mm -hmm. And what we noticed when we... This is a good example. I'm excited about this one. Yeah. So what we noticed is, you know, when we started to try, when we started trying to understand customers on what was missing from the product pages or, um, you know, what were their doubts or hesitations? Well, we ran a hot jar poll just, you know, to begin with. And we asked, is there anything, um, uh, so I'm not exactly sure which one we ran on first, but I think it was something like what's holding you back from adding this product to your cart or is there anything holding you back from making your purchase today? Um, we probably also ran something like, um, do you have any questions about this product? And then if they say yes, you ask what questions you have about this product, right? Or you could even ask um, what questions, what information is missing from this page, right? Mm-hmm. So you just like really want to ask those questions. Um, and by the way, on the split-based blog, I actually have a huge blog post written about this that lists the exact questions and the order to ask them. For example, um, you don't want to ask a yes or no question for the to actually get the answer because otherwise people can't write. But you do want to preface with a yes or no question so people interact with your poll and then if they see that, yes, there's information missing, then you want to open up a little box where they can type their answer. So Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. a side note here. Um, And um, what we realized while optimizing this product page is people were asking a lot of questions that were already addressed in the product details page, like in the description everywhere. Um, And then we realized like, well, what's going on? This is on the product page. like it's not like we can't add it twice, but obviously it seems like people are just not seeing it. So what we did is we started looking at Hotjar. Um, and Which, by the way, Hotjar is a a website that is a service that basically is an analytic tool yep. on your website, and it tells you everything that you need to know from the analytics side, where people are clicking, what they're not clicking, how long they're on the website, etc. Sorry, just had to yep. give that caveat. Go ahead. And, uh, and I mean, you can use another software, right? There's a lot of screen mapping tools and, and uh, mouse tracking and all that. So we, what we really wanted to see here was um, the scroll map. So this is a map where we can see how people are scrolling on the page. Like, are they, you know, staying at the top of it or are they scrolling further down? Um, are, where are they clicking, right? Um, and where are they not clicking? And what we noticed is, well, the product description was below the product image, below the add to cart button. And we realized that most people did not scroll past that. And the way that the website was designed, well, this page kind of cut at the fold of the page where your screen ends on the computer. So it wasn't intuitive for people um, to actually scroll right? They, it almost seemed like all the information that was available about that product was right there. But yet, you know, if you don't scroll, you're not going to see any of that information. You're just going to see the product images, the add to cart button and then the price. Um, So we realized that, okay, well, of course we're getting all these questions. Information is on the page, but it seems like no one is actually seeing it. So 
what we did is we decided to redesign this page a little bit. So we moved the product description next to the imagery, you know, at the top of the screen, um, the information that was uh, a little less important was still around the same area on the web page, but we changed the dimensions of the image um, and of the other elements to kind of encourage scrolling, right? So there are little intuitive tweaks that you can do um, that generally helps people realize that they can scroll. Um, so just like little design hacks. Um, and eventually, you know, when we started um, doing those changes, what we realized is, well, those questions started fading, so we wouldn't get those questions as much. Um, and it wasn't just related to this, but when we started A-B testing, you know, we saw that um, desktop conversions went up nearly 30% and mobile by nearly 100%. Hmm. So, and there were a few more things, you know, that obviously is hard to explain on the call that we're done. Um, but that was a huge lift just by getting people to understand, um, you know, or, or to really see what information was missing. But also, you know, we added some of the information that was missing that they told us, you know, in the surveys. So, you know, that you can only really get it if you research your customers. And yes, it takes time to analyze customer surveys and polls and to run it. You know, it's not as easy as just opening Google Analytics, but again, Numbers are numbers, and when you do your human qualitative research, well, those are actual words, <laughs> so definitely more valuable. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, um, like how one of the hardest things that I see in when it comes to optimization is, I guess, reacting on information based off of a small amount of data sets. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess from your perspective, what is a good amount of data in order to make that change? And then my, yeah. my, the second question to that would be, how many times have you actually <laughs> redesigned a page in order to fit the right conversion? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, for the data, it's very subjective in terms of, of course, yeah. um, you know, what website, what you're selling and everything and what you're testing. For example, if you're, you know, smaller companies may not be able to A-B test at all, right? Like if you have less than like 500 transactions a month, like just, it's just how the math works. Like it's really going to be hard to get enough conversions. Um, and there's no secret number or magic number or anything like that. It's just, it's going to be hard if you have very small data sets to have statistically significant um, and there's more mathematical concepts than just statistical significance, by the way, for, for the validity of an A-B test. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just going to be hard to have that data. That is something you can base yourself off. Otherwise, you know, you may make decisions that are the complete opposite of what it should be. So um, we're going to look, yeah, generally, you know, under 500 transactions, you can optimize, but you probably don't want an A-B test. It's going to be a waste of time and probably just going to, you know, tell you things to do that you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. um, now for qualitative research, you know, if we're looking at surveys and, and all of that, well, at the end of the day, here's a deal. Because it's qualitative, any feedback is better than none, right? Um, 
there is a threshold of around, I believe, 300 survey answers that's good to have to reach statistical significance on a, quant uh, on a qualitative level. Um, but honestly, you know, a, a few comments from customers is so valuable that it's not like about, you know, if you're at 200 instead of 300, you know, comments from your customers that you're going to be analyzing it's not going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Right. You just fair. really want to understand what are people saying the most and the bigger data set you have, well, uh, the more accurate is going to be your analysis and the more you'll know what are those issues or questions that, you know, come up the most often. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, for data, <laughs> the more the merrier. Yeah. And, and like when it comes to the, the design piece, I mean, from mm -hmm. your perspective, how many times yeah. have you been able to redesign something? Because uh, again, speaking from, uh, from, uh, from a, a very personal uh, example, we've probably designed our personal website close to, I mean, geez, I'd say on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. Right. Um, just because we're always trying to optimize, we're always trying to add yep. new things. We're trying to convert these, the people that come to our website. Totally. Um, so from your perspective, like, again, you're working with top brands. It, yep. It's probably incredibly difficult to, it is. I'm going to assume because, um, you're working with high end brands. They are probably very particular about their decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And so you're probably like, Oh my God, change this. This is all we need. And, and so just like hearing from your perspective, I think could be shine a, a lot of light into how people operate. Yeah, totally. Um, for me, it's um, less about the de what design changes that you have to make more than um, what issues do you have to solve, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's just like a mindset shift for a lot of companies. Instead of thinking what changes, what do we need to make do differently or change? It's really about you know, understanding what is the problem and then finding different solutions for that. So I'll give you an example. Sometimes, you know, um, you'll have a website where uh, people will think they need to redo the whole product page. Um, but when you start doing this research, you'll realize that it might just be one question that isn't being addressed, right? So you yeah. don't need to do a full product page redesign every single time. If your product page is not working, or even if it's working terribly, it still might not mean that it's because of the design of it, mm -hmm. right? Copy, I believe, is even more important than design, right? Um, mm -hmm. The clarity of how you're selling your product um, and, and also answering customers' worries, concerns, doubts, objections, questions, all of that. I mean, just like the shipping questions that we'll see on e-commerce stores. It's insane how companies don't make it clear what their shipping policies are. And it's still the number one question um, why people are hesitating to buy so many times. Right? So sometimes it's not about having to redesign and just about looking at what needs to be tweaked. Um, now in other cases, the only time where we're like, okay, well we need to redo like a full design. Um, generally it's still going to be data driven, right? So we're going to be doing usability testing. We want to understand how are people behaving on this? We're going to look at session recordings for the same purpose. Um, and also doing all that, you know, qualitative survey and interview research. What we want to understand is if you're redesigning, you don't want to redesign it based on opinions every single time. You want to redesign it based on what you've learned from your previous design or from your previous research. 
So a redesign, generally the right way to approach it is to design um, against a hypothesis. And by this, I mean, you find an issue, right? So it might be that, you know, if we take the coat example, well, people are not seeing the information that they need to see, right, um, in order to buy. So we've got this piece of information. Our hypothesis, we want to build a hypothesis, right? This is like back to like science class uh, uh, where we need to have, okay, well, if we are designing this, how are we going to establish the success of that design, of that redesign, right? Are we going to look at ads to cart? Or if it's a landing page, is it going to be the bounce rate or click-throughs to the product page, right? You want to establish what metric you're looking at to evaluate success or, you know, or failure or whatever. Um, and then you want to redesign around that hypothesis. So here, the goal, the issue that you're trying to solve is to make that information more visible. You're trying to make sure that people can get that information at the right time, at the right place, and that they can remember it. So the focus of this design um, you know, project that you're going to do should be focused on that, on, on uh, you know, aiming to make that information not vi more visible, not to just redesign for beauty or because you think that should be switched around, you know, should really try to understand, you know, how can we optimize based on this objective? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I mean, if you have the traffic, it has to be tested. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one of the biggest thing that I see happen all the time is uh, companies forget that there can be downsides of the changes they make on their website. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, when they think of a change they make to them, because they've invested time and effort in what they believe is an improvement mm -hmm. that they won't even be able to recognize that what they've been working on so hard that may look so much better may actually perform way worse than what was there before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes beauty does not dictate how well your product page will convert or how well anything will convert. I've seen very ugly pages convert way better than really clean looking on trend perfect pages. Yeah. It's about, you know, more often the information and the flow and all of that. So people have to think, you know, because so many times I'm going to get that thing where a client or, or someone else will say, Hey, Raf, can we just like, implement that like we know it's a problem and we know we've created an improvement the thing is well you don't know how much that improvement will actually help you and maybe that will that actually won't be an improvement maybe it'll totally flop and decrease your sales or conversions well, it goes back to your uh trust testing trifecta the the human element you can exactly. look at all the testing and going through all the analytics as you humanly possibly can but there's still humans at the other end actually making a decision, so. Exactly, and yeah. you know, when you're testing a, a different implementation or what you see as an improvement, um, the goal is not just to see if it wins or not. Mm -hmm. It's also to understand the differences and, and continuously learn about your customers so you can make a, a better decision um, you know, eventually as well for whatever project you're going to work on later. So for example, you know, while you're testing, what's great is that, well, you're accumulating data. 
you know, everything is being tracked. And for example, if what you think is an improvement actually fails, well, if everything is being tracked properly, at least you're going to be able to compare it to, you know, what was there before and understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, sometimes it may not be that the whole, uh, uh re- maybe it wasn't just like the whole redesign that was bad. Maybe it was just like one little step of it that caused the whole thing to fail. Yeah. And if everything is being tracked, you'll notice, well, well, we've had an improvement every step of the way in the new improvement we've done. But the last thing that, you know, was added to the design was what totally flopped. So you need to be able to understand that. Um, and that really comes down to taking time to, you know, when the test is over, to really do the analysis and not just say, hey, uh, it failed, it won next, right? Take the yeah. time to learn. A-B testing is more about learning than just winning or losing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think the way that you're putting this is so eloquent and so, so beautiful. It's like art to some degree because that's kind of like what you're doing is art. It, it's, yep. At the end of the day, it's a very artistic way of trying to find ways to convert people into doing the things that you want them to do. Yep. Now, I don't know why we didn't start with this. And we kind of started uh, at the end and kind of working our way back. But here we are anyways, just going through the, the journey of just uh, of this conversation. Um, the research element too. Yep. And when I say the research element, I mean like before anything has even started. Yep. Right. So like, how do you recommend if there's a person out there that is in the process of, of redesigning their website or a person is redesigning their checkout page. They know they need to redo it because they're not getting the conversions that they want. What are some like pivotal and and key things that they could do to start in order to obtain the research to start, uh, to start the the redesign process? Yeah. Um, well, great question. The first thing is we'll make sure everything is being tracked in Google analytics. You know, we help our clients um, set up their Google Analytics uh, when we start working with them. And I can tell you, I don't think it's happened once where everything was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like most of them, True. you'd be surprised that like, you look at a $10 million e-commerce company yeah, and like, like bro, come on. <laughs> nothing is being calculated properly. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, if you can do it yourself, do it. Otherwise, you know, get someone to fix it for you because that is key. Start there. Um, After that, well, you know, what's my biggest trick? And it's also the simplest, but also the one that people do the least. It's just talk with your customers every single day. Mm -hmm. Like talk with your customers. When you say talk, you mean physically talk like how, what is your definition of talk because i mean there are a lot of ways of people. doing it but here's the easiest way of doing it yeah, pick up perfect. the phone look at your look in your crm and shopify look at you know who's been buying from you a lot recently and just call them mm. um you know it, it's just like you don't need a lot of conversations to really understand what's happening in the mind of your customers Sometimes, you know, if you have, even if it's a 10 minute call and you just call them as curtsy, right? And some people will hang up on you and they'll be like, shut up, never call me again. That's (laughs) fine. But some other people will be like, wow, like the mark, you know, someone at the company called me just to like talk about how I'm doing and what's my experience with them. And, and they just want to, you know, listen to me. That's awesome. That's great customer service. That's a great experience. Um, so you know, look at it this way. Like you're doing this to 
understand them better, to, 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 to improve how you're serving them. Um, so what I recommend is just like for owners of e-commerce companies or marketers, you know, just book a time in your calendar where at least once a week, you know, you just go through a CRM and you call 10 people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be to, to be super complicated. You know, you can say, um, you know, just ask them, you know, how they heard of you, what made them buy from you, if they had any questions, if they have any questions, because even after they bought, you know, they may have questions. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they just took the risk and, and bought from you. We actually run, um, this is one of the most valuable part of the process. We run this a survey, this um, customer survey, where if we ask about 11 questions to people who bought from the company in the past month. Mm-hmm. Um, and those questions are no like yes or no, or one to 10 or all that, because we're trying to optimize here. And if someone tells me that they're satisfied at a scale of 10 out of, at a scale of seven out of 10, Mm-hmm. I still have no idea what to do with that, mm-hmm. right? So the biggest trick, and keep this in mind, is if you're asking questions for a survey or on the phone or when you're talking with your customers, only ask questions with where you can actually take action from the answers. Mm. So the insights has to be actionable. Otherwise, your question is useless, unless it's for segmentation purposes. Right. So for example, in our customer surveys, we're going to ask them, you know, what products they bought or, um, you know, we may segment in, in, in different ways in the beginning just to get them engaged, you know, really simple questions where they pick multiple choices. Um, and it's really just for segmentation purposes. It's not to learn anything really from them. Now, the next step, though, it's where it, it's really key. We've got around usually eight to 11 questions where the questions are literally all open ended. Um, and you know, we just have this big field where people have to type in their answers. And it, it's funny, you know, we've sometimes we rolled this out to clients and, and we've had people that were in traditional market research firms, you know, where like they need the numbers to be able to create charts and everything. And they pushed back like crazy. They were like, it makes no sense. You're not going to get any value from these surveys. Um, like you're not, how are you going to even, how are you even going to be analyzing that? It's like, look, this is qualitative research. You know, there are methodologies to analyze qualitative data, but what you're going to do is that you're going to read every single one of these answers of all the questions and try to understand what's going on in their lives, right? Um, Why did they buy? What stopped them from buying? And it's just really simple and it's just so human. People overthink this thing. But ask people who bought from you, you know, these basic questions and you know, what you'll get from that is just a really nice picture of who's your customer, you know, like we actually had this great example that I always love to reference of this deodorant company we worked with a few years ago. It's not even that, right? It, worst case, best case scenario, you get, um, best case scenario, you get the information that you're looking for. Worst case scenario, yep. you have a, you have a conversation with a customer that purchased from you, and now they might be a buyer for life, right? Yep. Yeah. Totally. I mean, this, this is great stuff. I mean, when it comes to, I think one of the, the next things is that I want to kind of venture into as we yep. wind down this conversation because we're already talking about so many, so much, uh, so many amazing things, is the idea behind you actually obtaining the client. 
because I think yeah. that's hard, right? So like you as the agency, right? Not necessarily you as the, the person that's analyzing the data, but there are people out there that have these problems. And to your point earlier, they don't even have their Google Analytics set up properly. So how yeah. are they able to assess their actual information? There are a ton of agencies, owners that are listening right now. I'd love to be able to hear some really interesting tactics and strategies that you've used to actually mm. obtain a client. Yeah, for sure. So here's one thing that I realized, and it's that we don't sell something very tangible. Yeah. You know, we do conversion optimization and that is a very hard that word alone to scary. <laughs> it is right. And there's so much that it includes. It includes, mm -hmm. you know, copy optimization, UX design, qualitative research, data analysis, development, AB test, it's so much stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, if you're an agency and you help companies with their Facebook ads, that's awesome. And I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> because you have something tangible that, you know, a lot of these founders, you know, have done a bit of that um, before, you know, they played with their ads, so they understand what's going on behind the scenes. Um, the concept is very simple. You know, you help them manage the ad strategy, landing pages, bam. But when we talk about conversion optimization, it's like, where does it start and where does it end? You know, what about emails, like abandonment emails? Well, if you're biggest drop is if your biggest challenge on your website is, uh, is card abandonment, well, it may mean that, you know, a conversion optimization agency will need to focus on where, on fixing your biggest pain. And that may mean doing, you know, a card abandonment email sequence or something like that. So um, what we've been, what we realized is because we're so, we're slightly less tangible, um, you know, we really sell by, um, through, through what we know, through our methodologies, through knowledge, right? So I've got a podcast called the Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Um, and I interview founders of seven, eight, and nine-figure e-commerce companies in a 20-minute format on just one growth strategy that was key to their business. And just like this podcast, you know, just really focused on, there's no chit-chat. It's really like, hey, give me the meat. Mm -hmm. Super, super actionable. So- mm -hmm. That's been something that, you know, that I came up with by talking with agency, uh, not agency owners, but with our customers, right? I'm like, well, where do you go to get that information? And there's a few blogs and, you know, there's a free blog of reference in the space, but, you know, a lot of them, there's really not much when it comes to podcasting. These people, they run, you know, seven to nine figure e-commerce companies, they're busy. Uh, and so many of them were like, hey, like, I don't have time to listen to a podcast anymore. Like right. it, there's like an hour of talking about how the podcaster met the interviewee and you're like, where's the value? <laughs> right, so, right. um, so, you know, that's how it came to be. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot, right. And most of our business is actually referral based. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to say, you know, we've just been really, really focused on providing great services. Um, and also using our own strategies of optimizing, um, you know, internally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So understanding customers better, how can we serve them better? Um, and how can we get the most out of what we have? So we've been able to grow quite a bit by staying pretty lean, but by also improving our services at the same time. 
Yeah. Um, just by looking, using the same strategy I explained earlier, but within our own company. So we always ask clients, you know, what could we do to improve our services? How can we serve you better? You know, and yes, sometimes you'll get things where it's like, you just don't want to hear it. But mm -hmm. that's where the value is. That's the only way you can improve. And I think that's why a lot of founders are not doing it, by the way. It's they're scared of what they're going to hear back from the customer. Mm. Whether you're in an e-commerce, a service company, or a SaaS company, it's like you kind of want to filter and you, you want to avoid the possibly the hard, not good feedback. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's where it challenges you. And mm -hmm. that's where you really grow. Um, that's a really interesting point you bring up um, because I can say from a personal perspective, that was our epiphany. Um, right. When we started looking at it, we're like, you know what? We're afraid to get on the phone. We're afraid to, mm. we're afraid for people to hate our product. But at the end of the day, like that mind shift should be, well, if I don't find out this information, then more people that sign up for our business is going to receive the exact same experience. Yep. And so how can I fix it? If you, if you don't want to do it for yourself right now, then find a way to do it for your future customer, right? Totally. Yeah. 100%. Well, awesome, awesome, man. Well, I mean, this was an amazing conversation, incredibly insightful. Um, I feel like you are very similar in mindset of, I just want the meat and potatoes and yep. I don't want to necessarily... On, I, I like to hear the flowers around it, but I just, and smell the flowers, but I just, I, what I really want is just the, the things that are going to make me successful. So um, this was an incredible conversation and I'm incredibly grateful for it. If people wanted to learn more about your company, Splitbase, if people wanted to hire you, if people wanted to learn more about your story, listen to your podcast, uh, what are the best ways for people to do that? Yeah, go to splitbase.com and literally everything is on there for our services, our blog, um, the podcast is linked to, but you can just find it in, uh, in the iTunes store or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. Um, and it's called Minds of E-Commerce. Awesome. Well, that's a good, uh, a good <laughs> fire alarm is on and now we're ready to go. I'm glad that we ended the conversation uh, Ariel, thank you so much for your time, man. This is a great way to end it, right? It's perfect. <laughs> All right, thank you very All much. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Blind Entrepreneurship. Your time, energy, and attention mean the absolute world to me. Thank you. Because you're still listening, even though the episode is technically over, that means that you're a super listener and you care even further about what I have to say. And that means even more to me. And because of that, I'd love to be able to give you a small gift. As you know, I am the co-founder of Penji, and I personally believe that Penji is one of the best creative services on the planet. It gives you the ability uh, to free up your time in order for you to focus more on your business. So you let us do all the graphic design support and all the graphic design help in an on-demand fashion. And because you're listening to this portion of the episode, I'd love to be able to give you 50% off of your first month of Penji. In order to do that, all you have to do is enter the coupon code TBE Show. That's TBE Show for 50% off. Again, I truly believe that Penji is revolutionizing the creative industry. And if you feel at any point in time that your business is not getting the graphic designs that you deserve or if you ever feel like you're paying too much for your graphic design team or your freelancers 
or you're finding it difficult to find reliable talent, we'd love for you to give us a try. And again, that is TBE Show for the coupon code. And as always, I have to end every conversation with the key phrase that it started it all. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.